0: Thank you very much, Rabbi Wolby. It's always a pleasure to be here. And tonight it feels like standing at the foot of Mount Sinai, because we're about to learn Torah Bait. And this is such a, a holy Torah. And it, it's what it, it's I'm shaking when I learn this Torah. And uh just have a lot of patience. The very, very lofty uh things we have to learn. We have to learn some basic. Ideas in Kabbalah, otherwise, you won't understand a thing. We're going to try to keep them simple, try to keep them comprehensible. And with Hashem's loving grace, we're about to begin toward two. And Hashem should help us, people, and teach it by absolute truth and humility. Hashem. So, in today's lesson, we learn all about the soul of Mashiach and the source of his power. So with Hashem's loving grace, we're about to learn Likote Mo'ran, first section Torah two, our first lesson. And in today's lesson, we learn about the soul of Mashiach and the source of his power. Okay, this is, we start right off, and Rabbi Nathan Abresleff, Rabbi Nathan Abresleff, that wrote down Likote Mo'aran, he says, right in the beginning, Lashon Rabbeinu, he warns us, he says, this is verbatim from Rabbeinu. Rabbeinu means our our rabbi, our spiritual guide. When we say Rabbeinu, we're referring to Rabbi Nachman. And when he says verbatim from Rabbeinu, this is something that it, we're so careful about it because there's sometimes that there were some discourses that Rabbi Natan wrote down, and there's some discourses that uh, Rabbi Yudel, other, other uh, students of Rabbi Nachman wrote down, this is word for word for Rabbeinu. And every step, every word is, is deep, so deeply in holiness. And Kabbalah and Gemara Zohar—it it, it just layers and layers and layers and layers. And no matter how high a person is, that you could see it on their level. We'll try and keep it on our basic level. Rabeinu is extrapolating on a passage in Leviticus twenty-first chapter, the first passage, and there is a command to the Kohanim, the priests, Vayomel Hashem al Moshe. And Shem says to Moshe, kohanim, you speak to the priest, the Kohanim, b'nei Aharon, the sons of Aaron, and you should say to them, be'amav, and let no priest defile himself coming in contact with a deceased person. If a priest becomes, he touches a dead person, then he becomes spiritually impure. And there's a whole purification progress, process but while he is spiritually impure, he can't serve in the Holy Temple. Or then, before the Holy Temple was built in Jerusalem in the, in the Sinai Desert, in the 40 years, it was the tabernacle that a priest couldn't serve in the tabernacle until he was ritually purified. Okay, so by touching a dead person, this is the highest form of defilement because the, the dead person doesn't have a soul. The dead person loses the holiness and it's, it becomes basic, this human. A human deceased person, uh it is highly uh it's it's a spiritual impurification. Why? Because once the soul leaves, the soul is covered by holiness. Once the soul leaves, the dark forces take care take force of it. And that's why if a person lives and a person subjugates the body to the soul, then you can, you can see there have been Sadiqim, there have been righteous people that have been in the ground for 20, 30 years. One, I know, not, 1953, they brought the body of Rabbi Yochanan of Stolen. He was buried in New York, and they wanted to be in, in in land of Israel, but there was an argument where to bury him. They brought up his remains, and they brought it to Tiberius, and reburied him in Tiberius, and after 10 years in the ground, the Hever Kedisha, the burial society, opened up the box, and it was completely untouched. In fact, the flesh was pink, just as it was alive. So we see that the tzaddikim, uh, the more that they subjugate their bodies to their soul, and the soul grows by, then they, they are not affected by this impurity. Okay, but the power of a deceased person can contaminate the high priest. The high priest has to maintain the highest level of purity. Okay. So now we go on and Rebbe Nachman starts right off. He does not mess around. Rebbe Nachman goes right to, he says, it's brought forth. It's a besifred tzniusah. tzniusah means the hidden book. Within the Zohar, which is the cryptic esoteric commentary on Torah, this is the cryptic of the cryptics. Sifred tzniusah. This is so, every word, it's deepest, deepest, deepest secrets. And Rabbi Nachman, he, we can only begin in Torah Torah 2, begin to understand the depth of Rabbi Nachman. And that's what Rabbi Nachman said, that his soul, his fire will burn until the Mashiach comes. That this is his Torah, his power, this was the, the, the power of Mashiach. Okay, so Rabbi Nachman goes right away to Sifat news So where do you find it in the Zohar? If you learn Zohar, you will find it at the end of Parshas Truma, Zohar Parshas Truma. And Rabbi Nachman quotes this passage, and this passage in the Zohar is the basis of our learning, knowing where Mashiach's soul comes from, and knowing where Mashiach's power comes from. And we're talking about enriched uranium, spiritual enriched uranium. I I'm going to try and take this slow and explain it the best way we can. Okay, so Rabbi Nachman says, This is Aramaic, it's not Hebrew. He says, from the canal of the nasal passage, in Aramaic it's called faldashka, from the canal of the nasal passage comes Mashiach's vital spirit, Mashiach's life spirit. Now, wait a second, is that cryptic or not cryptic? What are we talking about? What canal, what nasal passage? Pardashka literally means in Aramaic. It means a hollow uh, hollow pipe or like a hollow reed. A hollow reed in Aramaic would be a pardashka, the hollow pipe. Okay, now this what we, we're talking about, the partsufim, the divine emanations, that literally partsuf means a face, the divine faces. Okay, in a moment, but hold on. i to explain this. And this is a deep concept in Kabbalah, and we can't get this one. But before I continue, we're talking about divine countenance, divine countenance, and then we get a very important warning. And this is all our sages of Kabbalah give us two big warnings before we even step in here, because we're stepping into a minefield and don't want to get anybody to get hurt. Because spiritually, if someone doesn't learn this properly, they could get hurt. And this is why dangerous. This is why it's so important to. Learn uh, these type of books with, with a teacher that somebody's learned from a teacher. Okay. And now learn this online Kabbalah and all this kind of stuff. Forget about it. Forget about it. You can completely a person could come away a, a total non-believer. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Only you should learn Kabbalah only for a person that has learned kosher Kabbalah from a kosher teacher and, and that knows because this is enriched uranium. And a person, it's like a, a sack, a, a sapper. And the police force that diffuses a bomb. If a sapper does doesn't know how to diffuse a bomb, he's going to blow himself up with the bomb. Okay, so this is very, very powerful stuff, and it can light up the soul and project the soul like a rocket close to a shem. But it can do the opposite. Could do the opposite. Okay, so before we continue, let's see the the warning that our kabbalistic masters emphasize. Okay, everything we're speaking about here is a metaphor. It's only a metaphor for Hashem, and it's to help us grasp the concept of the Holy One, Blessed Be He, because there is no physicality, and Hashem defies physicality. 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 I'm going to repeat this up to this is the third principle of our Muna. We learned this the third principle of Muna. Hashem has no body. He has no corporeal traits, and we only use metaphors. The hand of Hashem, the eyes of Hashem, the mouth of Hashem, the voice of Hashem, these are all metaphors to enable us to have some type of grasp of Hashem, because our souls are trapped in a body. When our souls leave the body after 120, we won't need these metaphors, because we'll we'll see this. Okay, so even when we speak about divine light, or divine energy, or divine illumination, we're not talking about anything that can be measured in a light spectrum. Even if you talk about light spectrum, we're talking about sublime physicality. Light is the most sublime physicality. It's not tangible. You can't feel it. But you can see it, you can measure it on a spectrum. There's a wavelengths and the, even a voice. You can measure uh sound waves and you could, but it's a it's very sublime, sound and light, but they're sublime, but they still are physicality and they're measurable. And you put them up a screen, you can see them. When you edit a, you edit the, the musicians or, or speakers when they edit uh, their vocals, that they, they put it on a, the vocal, they can see the sound waves. And you can see, of course, a picture when you edit a picture, but not here, not here. When talking about divine, it's only a metaphor. Even divine energy, we talk about divine energy, spiritual energy. So it's the energy healers, spiritual energy healers, yes, according to Zora, it's true. There are spiritual healers. There are people that know how to heal, and they could. They know how to uh, gather Hashem's energy and get to heal people. There's one, there's big, uh, the, the Yemenite rabbi, Rabbi Barami, there in Israel. He's an expert in that. And have seen this. He could go to a baby with a stomach ache and put his hands over a baby and he invokes Hashem's name. And the baby right away calmed down. We've seen this time and again. And this is harnessing divine energy. Do that by prayer and we're going to learn. This is what, exactly what Mashiach is going to know how to do. And this is the third principle of Amunah once again that Hashem defies any physicality. Okay, the next principle you got to be careful, careful about, Hashem is one, not one, not two. Hashem is one, Hashem is one, Hashem is one, Hashem is one. That's our second principle of Amuna. So we see here, our 13 principles of Amunah are the basis of everything. When we learn the Noahide Laws, we learned about how the Noahide laws are all based on 13 principles of Amunah, okay? And every, all the roots. Everything we learn in Torah is based on the 13 principles of Amunah. And this was the extreme wisdom of Maimonides, the Rambam, when he codified these 13 principles because he find the 13 principles underlined in everything. This is what King David tells us in Psalms, call mitzvah sechah okay? That all your commandments are Amunah. The whole Torah is one big Amunah. The whole Torah is one big Hashem's name, Ketimu Hashem's name, it's all emuna. Okay, so Hashem is one. Now, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, who wrote the Zohar, he was a student of Rabbi Akiva. We're talking about the time of uh, the Bar Koch Rebellion and, and, and the destruction of Beitar, and the, right after the, the destruction of the Holy Temple. Rabbi Akiva is talking about the divine emanations we call the Partzufim, the divine countenances, and the ancients we call the Atika Kedisha. That's the highest one. We'll soon explain each one. And Rabbi, Akira, uh, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says like this in the Zohar. He says, whatever I said when he explained, explain explained the parts of him, explained the divine countenance. Whatever I said about the divine countenances, whether it's Atika Kedisha, the ancient holy one, or Zer Anpin, which is the smaller they're all one. They're all one. Everything is absolutely one. There is no division. And Hashem, blessed be he and bless his name. So the sum of this is all this. And Rabbi Shimon Bayochai, he concludes all his teachings. And he says, the ancient of the ancient, which is the highest divine partzuf, the highest divine countenance, and Zer Anpin, which is lower divine countenance, they're absolutely one. They're all absolutely one. All is, was, and shall be one. Hashem is one. He shall not change. He is unchanging. He will not change. He has not changed. So should you ask, what's the difference between one another? Here you talk about one divine emanation, and here's another divine emanation, and one divine face, and another divine face. Part Sufi will call it simply face, because a part Suf means a face. Okay, one divine face, and another divine face. What are these different faces? Okay, it's all one. It's all one, and we're explaining to them how they're one. Okay, so remember our two principles. Before we now set out, we're going to set out and learn what the parts of fem are now. Okay, but before we do that, there's no physicality in Hashem, and Hashem is one, and His name is one. This is the second principle of Muna and the third principle of Muna. And it's always before learning anything that smacks of Kabbalah, it's a good idea to review these principles. If you haven't learned the 13 principles of Amunah, uh I really shouldn't be learning this. Okay. If you learn the 13 principles of Muna and you learn that Hashem is one and you learn that Hashem knows Bali properties, okay, then you come in. But once again, be very quick. Hold my hand. Hold my hand. Don't let go. We're climbing a mountain together. Don't let go. I'm going to tie you with a rope to me, a spiritual rope, every one of you, and don't let go. Hold on and be very, very careful. Okay. So, what are partsufin? Partsufin literally means a face, but to explain it, they're spiritual structures of the spherot. We learned the ten spherot in Torah 1. The spherot are all a partsuf is one. It's like one body that contains all the ten spherot. And this is a metaphorical figure of human likeness. And we learned this right away in the beginning of Genesis that we were created in the divine image. Every one of us has a face and every one of us has a nose and every one of us has an eyes and everyone has a mouth. And these are all aspects of divinity. And this is what Job tells us in chapter 19, verse 26, the book of Job. Job says, Me psori echaze eloka, that by way of my flesh, I can see God. In other words, he does not see see, not with visual see, but I, I can see. It's like something when you see in your mind's eye. You see in your mind's eye, by way of flesh, I can understand because these are the structure of the divine countenance. Right now, this is arranged in such a way that each sphera in the divine countenance has its own 10 sphero. That way, there's its within with within sphera. And the divine counts like, like an onion, you peel it away, there's layers and layers and layers and layers and layers. And just like Rabbi Nachman teaches, there's layers and layers and layers. We'll try to keep them as simple as possible. And because I don't want to confuse anyone, I don't want to confuse myself because I'm going to teach you to have to keep it clear. All right. So each sphere contains 10 sphero, and each divine countenance, each face is a complete self contained unit. Now, if you can't understand this, wait a second. To understand this, and this is preparing today's lesson. As to Shem, Shem, this is too big for me. I, I don't know how to explain this. Help me explain this. And Shem gave me the idea. This is exactly our DNA. This is exactly our DNA. We imagine our DNA and all our chromosome maps, but within every cell of the body, whether it is a cell in the brain or it's a cell in the toenail, if somebody wants to they talk about somebody that's uh in, uh a crime detective or forensics and forensics it they can take off dna from a person's hair and from a person's toenail any part of the body they can even take dna if they could take a person's undershirt and they take perspiration the dna is in, in, in the waist of a person it's unbelievable so we see that every little cell contains the entirety. This is exactly what the parts of Femme are. There are higher parts of Femme up in the brain. There are lower parts of Femme down in the foot that come down to us, that bring godliness down to us, but they all contain the same thing. Now, everybody knows that the brain, the cerebellum, the cerebrum, oh, the cerebellum, cerebrum, oh, no, they're very high, they're, they're very high. Yeah, the cerebellum, the cerebrum, that are part of the brain. The same thing as the metacarpal down in the foot, the, the bones of the foot. They're all the same person. And this helps us. Thank you, Hashem. Thank you, Hashem. I had tears in my eyes and understand this is exactly what we're talking about in the parts of him. And the, don't be embarrassed. This is really the first day that the, the token dropped for me to really understand this clearly. And this is what Job says, understand, help Job, what he said, that from my flesh I will understand the Almighty. The more we delve into biology, genetics, physiology, the more we understand that Kabbalah, because we can see that our bodies are metaphors from Hashem. The more we know about our bodies, the more we understand the metaphors of Hashem. So this is exactly our chromosome map that our DNA is reflected all through the body, whether it's in the brain, whether it's in the toes, and it's all the same body, and it's all the same Hashem. Okay, for example, we talk about different things that we talk about the eyes of Hashem. Every time the eyes of Hashem, eyes of Hashem is just an expression, it's for divine supervision. We learned a whole series of lessons on a moon hour in divine direction, what the the nations of the world call it divine providence. I don't like divine providence because it's not a Jewish term, but it's all divine direction. And it comes from the Rambam that says in the first principle of Muna that Hashem alone is creator and director of everything. So Hashem directs everything. This is divine direction. So we talk about the eyes of Hashem. Hashem is direct. We talk about the hands of Hashem. Hands of Hashem, this is the actions of Hashem. And we talk about the voice of Hashem. The voice of Hashem, it's a, it's when Hashem gives us, Hashem imparts an idea in our brain. Sometimes we get a eureka moment. And that eureka moment, that's the voice of Hashem. That's Hashem talking to your soul. Your soul can hear Hashem's voice. Literally, again, this is all a metaphor. But this is why each of the, this is what the parts of him represent. So each, the parts of him, what they also do, they also rectify the flaws before creation. In the beginning creation, Kabbalah teaches us that there were separate spheron. Okay, there was Keter, there was Chachma, there was Bina, they're separate everyone. But they weren't proper vessels and they didn't have the unification. So they got, there was too much divine light. They could not, Contain the divine light, Hashem. In order to create the world, had to constrict this unbelievable, unlimited, it's unfathomable divine light, and they couldn't do it. So what Hashem had to do, Hashem created the part sufim, Hashem created the divine faces, the divine images that they contained all the spherol, and they were vessels of divine light because they work in an interrelationship. In other words, they're not, uh, you can actually start the the linear. I don't even know how to describe it. Okay. Each higher, higher parts of each higher divine countenance is like a soul to the divine countenance below it. And the next one is like a soul to the one below it. and the one below it is a body to that. And that goes into body, soul, body, soul, body, soul, body, soul. Because every one of the divine parts of theme, the faces, they have the aspect of body and the aspect of soul. Again, that's us. Each of us has the aspect of body and soul, body and soul, body and soul. Okay, so they interact one another and we're gonna soon see how they interact. So in the university, in the universe of partsufim, the spiritual universe of partsufim, you could say that the chief dynamic of creation, it's not by way of evolution, not by way of evolution, but it's interaction. Because they have the highest form of light. There's no way that what we call the Ein Sof, the Ein Sof is Hashem's unlimited godliness. Unlimited godliness, it is even higher than the name, the ineffable name. The tetravagam, the yud kevav ke. it's even higher than that. There's no name. We call it ain't sulf unlimited. En-sulf, it's never-ending, never-ending. And even the name, Hashem's name is already a vessel for the Ain sulf Okay. So we have every higher strata is like a soul to the next lower strata, which is like a body, but then that next lower strata is like a soul to the lower body, but below that. Okay. So, simply speaking, we talk about five parts of him. There's really six, but the six is the, like the first uh, station after Ein Sof. Okay, so we start with Atik Attikiyomim, that's the first station of the Ein Sof, and that is Keter, that's the divine crown. We have no idea about this divine crown. And you write Hashem's name, and the first Yud. This is the very top, the crown, the very top, it's at, a dot at the top of the yud of Hashem's name, Yud K And this is the inner dimension of divine will. And this is where the divine will is manifest, it's brought down from Ain Sulf. This is so if we used our remember our, our example in Torah one of the of the power station, Ain Sulf is the raw power raw power. Nobody can harness it. And this is the first power station that can harness this raw power. That is Atik Yomen, which really means the ancient of days. Uh, this is the supreme, highest part tzuf. Okay, then that goes down to Arich Anpin. Arich Anpin is the long face, or the long countenance. And Arich Anpin, it's nothing but good up there. It's nothing but compassion, nothing but mercy, And it's the source of divine compassion that comes from the crown, the Keter. It's again above. It's still way above anything we can understand. That comes down to the first sphere. These are the sphere. These are the sphere of Keter. But once again, in the sphere of Keter, the sphere of crown, they contain all the other ten spheres, all the other nine spheres. Okay. Now we come to Abba. Abba's father. This is the sphere of Chachma of wisdom. And this is the illumination of wisdom, and it's the root of intellect. And it's on the are now split into a right side and a left side, and Chokhmah is from the right side. The right side is a side of compassion. The left side is a side of of, of stern judgment. Okay, so father, that's Chokhmah that comes from the right side, that's Abba. And then there's Ima, where she's on the left side, because they're complementary She's understanding, and that's the internalization of wisdom, understanding. She internalizes And They can understand, just like in, in procreation, where the female internalizes what she gets from the male. Okay, this is Bina. She internalized what she gets from Chachma. Chachma, if you could describe it, Chochmah and Bina are like husband and wife. Chachmah, that's Abba and Ima, father and mother. That's they're called father and mother, like husband and wife. Once again, what Job tells us, it's all a metaphor, and it's something we can understand, that everything, the relationship between husband and wife, the relationship of procreation, and procreation brings uh, the greatest form of abundance with his children, okay? And the, this process of the merger of Chokhmah and Bina, it also brings down the greatest form of divine abundance. Okay, but this is where souls come from. They produce more souls, right? Then now we go down to Zeir Anpin. Anpin. When we think, okay, once again, when we pray, people get created. People that have had people ask me a question that they learned in Kabbalah that we pray to Zeir We don't pray to any particular part suf, Maybe Kabbalah. We pray to the Ein Sof. Ashambi here, take my prayer. You know what to do with it. Now, the great Sadiqim, we're going to learn later too. The great Sadiqim know how to attach the prayers to where they go. But keep it simple. We pray to one God, one God, one God. There's no spirituality, I'm a no, no physicality and oneness. I'm going to repeat this a thousand times and repeat it again and again, and again. So heaven forbid no one should make a mistake. Okay, so there on pain that's the small face. And that's a short patience. Zer Anpin, he's the one that gets the name Yud K Keh, what they call it in English, Y A W Y E H. Okay, he's the one that, that gets that. And when, when we say that, that this is when we say the Wuchata Hashem, we say Hashem's name, it, this is where it goes. And then we hope, but, but even though Rabbi Himnuna was at the time of Rabbi Yochai, and Rabbi Hemnuna, he would pray above that. He would pray above that. He'd go with hope that his prayers go. Because here's the thing: the difference between Arich and zair we said it, Arich Anpid, above Abba and Ima, there's no stern judgment. It's all compassion. By the time we get down from Abba and Ima to Zayr Anped, there is compassion. Zair Anp has got his right side, his compassion. He's got a left side, stern judgment. And what happens now? Our actions they affect the way Za'er Anpin reacts to us, because this is what King David tells us in Psalm one twenty one: "Hashem tsilcha, Hashem yud ke. Hashem tzilcha. Hashem is your shadow." If you go, and this is also our uh, let's see, this is our eleventh principle of Muna. That if a person does good, it's going to be rewarded. If a person does bad, it's going to be. This is what's reflected. It's reflected by Shem. This is what happens to on pain Okay, but if a person does bad, they'll still have, if it goes higher than Zeran pain It's still mercy. It's still mercy. We're going to learn about this. We're going to learn about this and we'll come to this later, but we have to explain this now. This is the difference. Once we get to Zeran pain there's now the stern side of stern judgment and the side of divine compassion. Then we get down to Nukva. Nukva is the female. She is the female as She is malchut. She has no light of her own. This is what we learn. Mood and she relies on Zeir that he should illuminate her. And when we talk about the Nukva, we talk about Lakhadodi. We say Lakhadodi on Shabbat. We're talking about her. This is the, this is the monk. This is the divine countenance. This is this is her. Okay. Now let's go back to our text. Okay. This is our to help understand. What's going on now? Now we have the tools to understand what Rabbi Nachman is going to teach us. So Rabbi Nachman teaches us in Sifr das he says that the nasal passage that Mashiach's life force comes from, this comes from the partzuf of Arich anpin, which is only compassion. And it's in the configuration of keter, which itself includes the 10th spherod. And at this lofty level, once again, divine light, it's all compassion, love, and mercy. At that high level, this is the Hashem is so loving. This is Hashem, the loving father. This is all all love and mercy. Stern judgment doesn't yet manifest itself. Stern judgment is going to lower, 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 lower. To get stern judgment, Hashem's light, this is what we call this yeshiva called in Israel, called Or Sameach, they have a branch in New York. It's the happy light. Or semi, because it's all love. It's all compassion. The divine lays all love and compassion. But what happens when it gets lower? And then there has to be a context for reward and punishment, as the Ramchal explains this in his elaboration on Kabbalah. Okay, so then the divine has to take on the aspect of judgment and compassion. Judgment and compassion. All right, so now. Mashiach's life force comes from the left side nostril of Arich Einpin, the face from the, the this is on, on the face. This is a, the spiritual nose of the spiritual face, Arich Anpin, and it's all compassion. And once again, Anpin is not influenced by human actions. Now, from the right nostril comes the life force. Of Zer Anpin, that the the the, the partsuf, the face that's three levels below are okay. So Mashiach, it comes from the left side, and Mashiach. This is what's going to help Mashiach. This is going to help Mashiach be able with his prayer to do what Rabbi Hemnuna did, to go all the way to the source of mercy to circumvent things. This is one of the power of Mashiach, and this is why uh, Mashiach is so powerful. Because his soul comes from the nose of Arihanpin. Arihanpin, once again, that's the long face, the face of patience, face of goodness. Okay, so patience. We said the nose. What's the nose? Is this all this imagery, uh, these metaphors. What is the nose? The nose has uh, different aspects. First of all, it's as aspect of can smell. It has the aspect of patience as opposed to anger. And it has the aspects of the spirit. Hashem's breathe the spirit through the nose. That's what they told, the, 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 told the way he created the Genesis. Hashem told the way he created Adam. He breathed the spirit through the nose. Like We see in Hebrew, the plays on words in the holy tongue, one, every word has a deep meaning. And that's why Rebbe that said, this is Rabbeinu verbatim. Rabbeinu, is that every single word in Rabbeinu and we could take it apart and take it apart and take it apart. Layers and layers and layers. So the nose, what's Rabbeinu teaching us here? To understand what Rabbeinu is teaching us, we have to go back to the Gomorrah. The Rabbeinu's got the whole Torah on his two hands, the Kabbalah, the Gomorrah, everything. Then the Gomorrah in Tractate Yavomas talks about uh, a soldier that got killed in action. soldier got killed in the field. And we're find a soldier, the burial society, find a soldier, dead soldier in the field, and you want to identify him inform the family, and how, on what basis, what is the least amount of information that we need to identify a person? So if they find a body, but the nose is cut off, the, Gamora says, no, you can't identify the person. You can't identify the person, because that person is recognizable by way of the nose. The nose is one of the main characteristics of the face. Now, what do you get once again what Job says that from our flesh we recognize Hashem, we feel Hashem, we see Hashem. And this is the same in the divine face, that from the nose we recognize the divine face. Because up at Arik, at his level in the long face, af, af means we have the 13 principles of divinity, erchapai. Thirteen principles of, of rachamim, of mercy, that Hashem taught Moses above Mount Sinai. Era Erekapayim means length of the nose. Length of the nose means patience. And then, when there's divine wrath, and the divine wrath. Where do we see that? We go down to a lower, a, a, a lower partsuf, a lower face, down in Zeronpin. Divine wrath, and that's called Chari'af. That's called a disgusting of the nose when the nose is disgusted, <laughs> That's that's divine wrath. So the same power of the nose is divine compassion and divine wrath. It could go both ways. Okay, so that is the aspect of the nose. And that's why the nose is so very characteristic of the individual. So the spirit, why does Shem take the spirit of Mashiach from such a high place? So that Mashiach's prayers can reach the Chotam Elyon. The Chotam Elyon is called the upper nose. That's the nose of Arich. The Chotam Tachton, that's called the nose of Zer. The nose of Zer could be patience or anger. Okay, the nose of ark it's only patience, it's only compassion, there's no anger up there. So even when the people of Israel, they, they do the worst thing, and Mashiach wants to defend them, Mashiach wants to defend the world and Mashiach goes and he prays and he <laughs> he does combinations because he wants to go to the Chotam Elyon. And this is the power of Mashiach's prayers. And that's the same way that Rabbi Hamnunah the elder, who was one of the greatest Kabbalists, and he was a one, had, a, a, uh, a, together in the, in, in, in the Idra, when the, the 10, the, the 10 uh, disciples of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai that they sit and they, they, they discuss that we we read that the all in the Zohar. And Rabbi Hamdun, the elder, had the power to pray like that. Okay, that's the Iduraba. We see in the Idraba. The Iduraba is the, the part of the Zohar that tells us all about that. And that is a very powerful prayer. It's imagine, how can I imagine? Imagine that you've got a case, a, a court case, and you've got a dispute. With a local judge. You've got to do and then they go to the local judge, and then you have to go to the appellate court and the district court. And this, by the time you get to the Supreme Court, you've got to go stick to courts. No, but if you're a, a wise lawyer with connections and whatnot, you know how to go straight to the Supreme Court. You cut through all things. This is the power of Mashiach. Mashiach doesn't have to go to the appellate court, and then he doesn't have to go through the series of parts of so, FIM. knows how to, we'll see. How to shoot an arrow? His prayers are like an arrow that go all the way up to the source of, to the source of compassion, the source of mercy, and this is what Rabbeinu, wow, This is what Rabinu tells us. And i will continue, and we continue on. It says, if you can see, you're finding along the text, the letter Aleph. Kiika Mashiach The main weapon of Mashiach is his prayer. Now, you wouldn't have understood that if we didn't give the whole preface of what the power of Mashiach's prayer. <speaking in Hebrew> that Mashiach's prayer, and this is also, it's a triple play on words. It's an aspect of the nose. And the Chotam will soon be, Kamosh k'tuv. Isaiah the prophet, in chapter 48, <speaking> in <Hebrew> Isaiah the prophet quotes Hashem, and Hashem says, my praise is that I can cover up. I get all the complaints about you. I can I can seal them, seal them like in a vault. That's what the ch- chotam is like, a ceiling in a vault. But it also means nose. Chotam means nose. It's like you say uh, someone's beak. A chotam is a beak. You say the chotam of a bird, a beak of a bird. You say it in English slang. Hey, you know, your beak, the guy's got a long beak. Oh, that's good. That's good. Then this may be why the Jews have long noses, because long noses are patience. The, the, the patience, You need a lot of patience, he a lot of patience, okay, so we said, this is, Rabbein was telling us that that we see this is the vitality of Mashiach, and his nose, it's a double meaning, it's a triple meaning, the nose means it seals, it seals the stern judgment, and it's prayer that opens up divine. it has three meanings, it means sealing, it means nose, and it means prayer. This is the secret of the holy tongue. That's why it's not Hebrew. This is lashon Hakodesh. This is the the language of Torah. This is the language of the prophets, and it is it's very very deep. And so Rabenu says, Rabbeinu says, Wow. that all the wars that Mashiach is going to fight, and all the all the Conquering that Mashiach is going to do. It's going to be right from there, from where? From his prayers. And what is it? Rabbeinu says, Rabbeinu once said, he said in Yiddish, Mashiach vet Gold in Kain shos that Mashiach is going to capture the whole world without firing a shot. Mashiach doesn't need ballistic missiles, and Mashiach doesn't need conventional weapons, doesn't he? Not conventional weapons, because Mashiach is going to circumvent all of that. Mashiach will bend the whole world with his prayer. And as the Mashiach gives a blessing. Ooh, <laughs> lucky person get a Mashiach from blessing. And Mashiach prayer. And that's it. That's it. That's it. Finished. The Mashiach will be able to dictate reality through his prayers. And this is what he's saying. This is okay. So we have a, a, a triple meeting of the word Khuttam. Hashem says, Tehila Tiak lach the Tehillah, Hashem is a My praise. Hashem says, My praise is that I have patience and I don't have to look at your your transgressions. I seal them in a vault. Okay, and this is what Hashem, when Hashem loves somebody, Hashem takes the transgressions and seals them in a vault. How to went to, what type of person does Hashem do that to? When you're forgiving for other people. You're forgiving for other people. Well, and this is what I tell people before Rosh Hashanah and already we're in the month of Tammuz, they we're really close, we're really close. We're uh, eight, 10 weeks from Rosh Hashanah. When we forgive other people, Hashem has to forgive us. And no matter what we do, even if we messed up, we forgot to do tshuva about something, this attempt takes our... Matt, you know what Hashem acts? Let's take your computer. Hashem's your antivirus. Okay, your antivirus, you weren't careful. All right? And a virus hit your computer, and your antivirus, take it, whoo, locked up in a vault. That's exactly what Hashem does to the transgressions of somebody who is forgiving and somebody Hashem loves. And that's the same thing because Hashem loves people that are forgiving because Hashem is forgiving. And what happens when people are judgmental amongst other people? This again, it goes to go. The person just knocked himself down. It cannot go to the higher part, so if It goes to the lower part, of so where so your actions influence. If you're judging, this is what King David said, Psalm 21. Okay, you're a judgmental person and you demand perfection from other people. Okay. Beloved brother, beloved sister, you just wrote the law book. Okay, that's the way he said it. And I said, sure, why did you be so difficult? Shem said, you hear, here's a quote, quote. You created the law. You wrote the law. This is the law you gave. People are going to go up after 120 years and have all kinds of complaints to Shem. Hashem, why'd you give me a rough life? Hashem, why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? No, you wrote the laws. You wrote the laws. I did it according to what you dictated. An exact opposite dynamic when a person is forgiving and a person is... Is lenient with other people, Shem is lenient with them. Okay, so now this is what Rabbeinu tells us that everything that Mashiach does, that everything that Mashiach has become has come from his prayers. The, the nose of Mashiach, the nose of Mashiach the prayers of Mashiach. that a prayer, This is also another double and triple play on words. Wow, Rabino is really good. It says that Mashiach is going to be able to smell the awe of Hashem. In other words, people said back, you know, the the highbrow, God-fearing, this and that. Mashiach will smell him, just like the angels can smell him. That, that Mashiach will get telephony right away. And someone who's trying to hide himself, that the very humble Mashiach right away says, so oh, that young lady, that young man, that's the real deal. Not only that, so when Mashiach has this power, that Mashiach himself has the scent of Ganadin. There's an unbelievable spiritual scent. Why are we allowed on Yom Kippur to sniff a snuffbox, sniff spices to buy itself? Because sniffing, that's already it's not it's not food, it's not drink. Okay, this is something sublime, sublime physicality, but beginning spirituality. And Mashiach will be able to smell a God-fearing person. And this is the this is one of the power of Mashiach. Okay, now we continue on. And this is what we what Rabbi Re- Nachman is describing. This is the main weapon of Mashiach, because it's written. It's written in Genesis chapter 48. Uh, Jacob says, I took Shechem with my sword and my bow. Now, wait a second. Jacob didn't fight in Shechem. It was Levi and Shimon that fought in Shechem. So what did Jacob do? He stood at the end of town and he prayed for them. He said, Bechalbi, Bekashti, Unkulos, and Rashi both translate. Chalbi chalbi is his praise of Hashem. Bekashti is his personal request. Remember, we learned in Torah Aleph that there's two aspects of prayer there's praise of Hashem, filot, and there's Bakashot, there's requests from Hashem. And it's even the same word, again, another play on words. Keshet, the bow. The bow, Keshet, is Bakashati, Bakashati is Bikashti. The words of my request is the same words of my bow. And Jacob says he captured Shem with his bow. He means his request and Beharbi, his prayer. And this is what this is now where Rabbi Nachman is telling us. We talked about Mashiach's weapon. Mashiach's weapon. Now Rabbi Nachman introduces the sword. This is the sword of Mashiach. His prayer, because Beharbi, cherev, cherev is a sword. And it's also a prayer that it cuts through the red tape. Just like I said, the guy goes right to the Supreme Court. This cuts through everything. A person can wait, and a person wait, and hope, and maybe it's good deeds, maybe it's not good deeds. When a person prays, and powerful prayer with intent directed to Shem, it is like a sword. It cuts through the upper worlds. Okay, and this, okay, this is, again, Rabbi Nachman says, it's bekashi lo this is what King David says, lo bekashti King David says in Psalm 44, I don't trust my bow, I don't trust my physical weapons. King David also, he was Mashiach, he was the Shem's anointed king, and he accomplished mainly through his prayer. Yeah, he did great heroic things, but it was by way of his prayer. And he says, hilalnu. Hilalnu, where does this? it says? I, I praise Shem. Rabbi Nachman says, you know where you got that? That's tomlach. That's right away. That the praise, the praise is a uh, Hashem. The praise is again the double meaning. It's a praise of Hashem, and it's Hashem sealing all our transgressions in a vault. Okay. So now we go through this. This get this beautiful weapon. This is the sword of Mashiach. This is the prayer of Mashiach that is so powerful that can conquer the whole world, not firing a single shot. So now we go on to the next letter, and, and, and you see letter base in your. Your your Hebrew. You're safe. And any weapon we have, it has to come with the aspect of Joseph. What is Joseph? Joseph is personal holiness. Uh-uh. So a person can't be lewd and can't be immersed in debauchery and can't be immodest and then expected the prayers be effective because they won't be. And this is what he says. Uh Paraphrasing, Rabbi Nahum paraphrases Psalm 132. And he says, He says that from the fruit of your womb, uh, this will prepare like that, a throne. What's, what's a throne? throne, the heavenly throne. The fruit of your womb. What's the fruit of your womb? Your, your womb, again, these are your prayers. This come by the deep, the depth, your, your womb, your spiritual womb, your soul. The prayers that come by the soul, and these are going to be, by way of, what, what's a womb? What do you have to come together with a holy union? That's personal holiness. And this is what Rebbe Nachman quotes in Psalm 45. And he says, Ainu Yosef, in talking about the holy sword, Chago he says, put your sword on your thigh. Put your sword on your thigh means your sword, your prayer is dependent on the thigh is a metaphor for personal holiness that's what happens to the wayward woman as soon as she is unfaithful to her husband the first thing that happens to her is her her, her thigh falls it just completely collapses and this is a, then and then her stomach collapses and then it's a very terrible death very terrible so we see when a person has a healthy thigh a healthy thigh is called thigh is that's where that that's where personal holiness is connected to Okay, so this is the sword of Mashiach, explains Rabbi Nachman, that his essential weapon, this powerful weapon, it comes from a source of personal holiness. The stronger a person's personal holiness, the stronger prayers are going to be. And then he says, where we learn this from? Rabbi Nachman explains, we learned from Joseph. Because Joseph so superbly guarded his personal holiness, Joseph, remember, he was tempted by the most beautiful woman in the world, Potiphar's wife. Cannot imagine how beautiful. And it was the Midrash would explains that the temptation that went through Joseph and he had the, the Midrash expensive. We're not the Midrash, like I couldn't say it. Joseph was so tempted that he had a seminal emanation from his fingernails. That's how he was told to, to, to control himself. But he read, jumped out of the window and was willing to break both legs, and in order to avoid being that, she she caught him in the bedroom when other people were out, and he, he, he. And then she said a lie about him. And he was thirteen years old. This one, Joseph sacrificed everything for personal holiness. Joseph is the the archetype of personal holiness, and Joseph corresponds to the sphere of Yesod, which Yesod is personal holiness. Okay, that's the ninth sphere. So we see that uh, Joseph. Because of this. Now, what Reuven, his older brother, he did the exact opposite. Okay, we say, Rabbi Nachman says, Joseph, he earned the birthright from Reuven, which the birthright is double. In uh, ancient Hebrew law, the firstborn, when we still have it in the land of Israel, and we have the inherited lands, the firstborn gets a double inheritance. So here, Rebbe Nachman says the double inheritance means that it gets the power of prayer, a double power of prayer. And that's the two-edged sword. The two-edged sword is the power of prayer. We're going to learn next week about what the two edges are. But this is a two-edged sword. And the two-edged sword, what we already learned, that one edge is praise of Hashem. The other edge is our personal request. And this is the two-edged sword. You could do both. And this is what... King David says in Psalm 149, <laughs> that these guardians of prayer, they have a two-edged sword. And this is what Joseph, now why did he get it from Reuben? Because Reuben, he defiled his father's bed. He took it feather for when after Reuben's, uh, after Rachel died, Reuben expected Jacob to move in to his mother, to Leah, but Jacob said, went to the copy of Binds, so Reuven took his father's bed from the tent of the concubines and put it in his mother's tent. Uh, Reuven had no business doing that, and that's called defiling his father's bed, and therefore he lost it. So this was a, a spoiling of personal holiness, even though one person, this is a, on his level, and Joseph, that he was excellent, superb in personal holiness, that he got doubled. Now, we finish it to just finish off tonight's lesson the word for the holy, the word for the nostril, where Mashiach's soul comes from in Aramaic is parduska. Okay, if you take parduska, Yosef is called, that Yosef had personal always called Ben Porat Yosef. Ben Porat Yosef is the son of charm. Okay, Ben Porat Yosef, he, if we take the word porat and we take its numerical value, it is crazy. It equals parduska. The divine hem and if we take seven names of Hashem, the different spellings of Yud Vovke in Hebrew, and the different divi- spellings of Echya, they all come out to the same six eighty seven. It is mind boggling. Rabbi Nachman had all this in his hand. This is, it figures; it it makes your head spin. And Rabbi Nachman, this is the, the power of Rabbi Nachman. begin the power of Rabbi Nachman and the enriched uranium that we're dealing in. Hashem should help us take it easy by easy. I think this is the first lesson. I think it's going to take us another three lessons to complete Torah bait, but Hashem should give us the privilege to be able to continue on our learning and that we should all be able to take our learning and to get closer to Hashem because that, don't forget, this is our goal. And this is Rabbi Nachman's goal. Rabbi Nachman's goal is to bring us closer to Hashem and our goal is to get closer to Hashem and we should all get closer to Hashem and may Hashem help us continue to learn it together in good health. Amen. The Atik Yoimin is like the soul of Arachan Pin. Atik Yoimin is the inner desire of Hashem, of the Ein Sof. And Atik Yoimin is to be able to manifest, to take this harness, the divine will, and to bring it down to the next lower. Okay. Atik can't do it. He gonna bring this because he he can't jump past uh Arik because this is all a constriction. This is a power plant. We're coming from the power plant to the, the city power plant, to the neighborhood transformer, to the wires, to your circuit breaker. Okay, these are different, different constrictions of divine light to bring it down here. Exactly, David. Exactly, Bravo, David. Bravo, Bravo, Bravo. Okay, Yaakov. This is Joseph's father, and a great grandfather of Mashiach. And Jacob knew all this, even though Jacob had look. Look what Jacob did. He prayed his way out of Esau. Esau wanted to kill him. Esau came at him with an army of four hundred men. He was so exposed with the, Jacob alone with his with his kiddies. Benyamin wasn't just born his four wives, his kiddies, the sheep. What's he going to do? And I said he spent it. That's what. That's the night he spent wrestling the angel. That was a spiritual wrestling match. That wasn't an MMA bout in a in a, in a cage fight. Okay. So this is where uh, uh, Jacob said, "I taught you better than that. I didn't teach you guys to go go around and beating up people." Okay. I said, Ikaltimoti. thank you Hashem." And, and this shows the practicality of learning Rabbi Nachman's teachings. A level deeper in the Torah that many people couldn't understand. And this exactly Jacob says to his son, you're, you're embarrassed, you, you, you ruined my name. What do you mean? You my name? What do you mean you ruined my name? And they didn't understand what their father was talking about. They said, Look, what daddy, we're just as close to you. We care just about a personal wholeness as you do. We're gonna let our sister become a harlot. We're gonna let some Canaanite make our sister into harlot. No, but that's not what Jacob meant. Everybody should be blessed. And it's so good to to see everyone and from all over the world. Love this group and look forward to seeing everyone next week. Every one of our participants, everyone that hears a they should be blessed with everything great. And all your heart's wishes for the best. A wonderful Shabbat. And we look forward to seeing you next week with Hashem's help.